Thank you for joining us for Revive the Drive, a ministry of the Bethany Fellowship of Churches. We live in a world where time is a precious commodity. One of the avenues for reviving our souls is the necessary commute to and from the many places our schedules take us. As the wheels of the car begin to turn, join our panel and set the wheels of your mind in motion as you consider the significance and impact of theology on everyday life. Let's listen in as our pastors talk theology. Well, thank you for joining us at Revive the Drive. This is Pastor Rich Burkle, and I'm here with Pastor Daniel Bennett and Pastor Art Georges. And we're, we have the privilege of, of uh, discussing with teenagers their questions. And uh, this section is called Answers to Teens' Questions. And uh, today we have Wesley Phillips. And Wesley, thanks for coming again. And your previous questions have been awesome. So we just are sitting with bated breath, uh, waiting for your last question on this edition of Revive the Drive. So, Wesley, what question do you have for us? All right. Well, my question is, uh, how are books and movies, it's kind of like the media, um, how are movies about, like, how people died, went to hell or heaven and came back that aren't in the Bible? Like, uh, like you said, like, the movie is heaven for real. Or heaven is for real? Is that real? I wish everyone could be in the studio here with us today because Daniel Bennett's eyes just lit up with fire. <laughs> like he was like, this is awesome. This is the greatest question we have. I can't wait to answer it. So, Daniel, you've come uh, loaded for bear. And so uh, why don't you? You're, you're overselling you this, Rich. You're, <laughs> there's a, yeah, it's interesting because my, my daughter, uh, her her class read the book Heaven Is for Real, and then they're going to take a field trip to go to go see the movie. And I I told Whitney I said, how ironic would it be if the pastor's if the if the the pastor's kid dad <laughs> complained? I, I thought you were going to say they took they're going to take a field trip to heaven to heaven. <laughs> That'd be cool. Hear things not permitted to repeat. Yeah. And uh, we talked about this a little bit earlier when we were talking about spiritual spiritual movies and. I I I do have some concerns about those type of movies. I and I think it's probably good to preface like the level of concern I have with them too. So so there's some like really big issues when it comes to the, the Christian faith. When we talk about the gospel and we talk about how we're to live and and on this issue of what you do with a with a book or a movie like Heaven Is for Real uh, or my my father in law. I just called him out on this. He gave me a book. Uh, it was called 90 Minutes in Heaven or something by not uh, John Piper, Don, but Don Piper, Don, Don Piper. Piper. <laughs> yep. uh, which was a great sales tactic, I think, too. And and so so there are um, there are, there are Christians who who take some of these these books very seriously. So I'm I'm prefacing what I'm about to say with with that. Richard, you have something else to add? Look like you had. Oh, just just uh, you know, I, I, that was the one book that I read just. Uh, of these of this genre is the one by Don Piper, and in it, I remember he he said that one aspect of heaven is that no one mentions the cross of Jesus because that's a sad event. Oh, and it, it's it's like, <laughs> and and you are at this point. Okay, if you if you have someone representing God, representing revelation, new revelation from God, who's wrong, I, I think you have to go back to the prophet's test. Right. But if they're wrong on one thing, you can't trust mm-hmm. them on anything. Mm-hmm. And, and that's I think that's how you approach these things. Is th- there's several levels of of why they're I believe unhelpful. One is because they they sometimes they contradict biblical evidence. In fact. You could argue that all of them do because Paul talks about how 
whenever he was carried away, he he didn't feel comfortable talking about it. And you look at Isaiah's response, John's response to being encountering heavenly realms, and there's a lot more awe, I think, and, and reluctance to talk about things. But an, another objection, we talked about this uh, a few sessions ago, but is Isaiah 819, and, th- and this is a passage I took Hannah to whenever she was talking to me about this book, and it's the other Piper, John Piper, mentions this as, as he's talking about these this genre of books. It says, when they say to you, consult the mediums and the, the spiritists who whisper and mutter, should not a people consult their God? Should they consult the dead on behalf of the, of the living? And so when it comes to the motivation, why, why are you coming to this book? Is it because you believe you're you need your, your faith strengthened, and so you're coming to someone else to, to have your faith strengthened? Is your motivation to know things that, that God has said, hey, th- this isn't the boundary of things that you're supposed to know right now? I, I think our motivation in, in knowing things about heaven should be to know the things that God has revealed so that he's glorified and, and, we, and we have the hope that we need to to press on. You had, you had another good question about heaven last, last uh, time you asked a question. About the, about the new earth. And so as we think about the purpose of knowing about heaven, the, the purpose is to motivate us now to, to live in a godly way. And God has revealed everything we need to know about heaven to hope in it, to believe in it, and to, to have it change our lives now. Yeah, yeah, and, and so much of our life is uh, not by sight but by faith. And so uh, I think of what Jesus told uh, in the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. He told the rich man who asked to have Lazarus sent back from the dead to his brothers so that they would uh, repent and not end up in the punishment that he was experiencing. And and Jesus said, um, if someone goes to them from the dead, they will not repent. He said, if they don't listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be persuaded if someone rises from the dead. And so um, that tells us that really the only benefit that these movies, if they even had one or books, are going to have are going to be to believers, but now they're filled with all sorts of contradictions. Right. So how do we know that we can actually right. benefit from them? And, and I've actually I, – I, I was concerned uh, initially when these books became uh, rather popular among believers. And I've actually grown more concerned about the seriousness of the problem. Um, because it really relates to what a person thinks about Scripture. Right? Are, is there more revelation about the realm that is beyond our reach? Okay, so above us is God, and, and we wouldn't know anything about him unless he didn't reveal himself to us. He chose to reveal himself to us through his word and through his son. And uh, Orthodox Christianity says, has said that the canon of Scripture is closed. Scripture is not being written. In other words, there's not this kind of revelation that gives us new information about who God is and what his plan is for us. And these books indicate that the canon is not closed. And once you go there, then the Scripture is not sufficient in itself anymore. We need more revelation, and that puts you on a whole other path of relationship with God. That's good. Um, and, you know, in Scripture, it's interesting, as, as Pastor Art and Pastor Daniel have been expressing, is that when we think of the people who died, not one person who died in Scripture and was resurrected to new life talked about heaven. So the Apostle Paul, we think, was the one who uh, um, describes this incident of him 
you know, being in the spirit, and uh, and yet it's it's not a description of him dying and being resurrected to life so much as as uh, it may have been the incident where he's stoned and nearly dead, but um, but nowhere isn't that interesting. So Lazarus doesn't tell us, you know, the, the the widow's son doesn't tell us. Nowhere do we find anyone in the scripture coming back and telling us about heaven. And I'm very concerned that people are more excited about. The, the descriptions in these books of heaven than they are about scripture. Um, just to to um, talk more specifically, I found this uh, this quote from Pastor Piper. As a for instance, he writes on page thirty one in his book: "As I stood before the gate, I didn't think of it, but later I realized that I didn't hear such songs as the old rugged cross or the nail scarred hand. None of the hymns that filled the air were about Jesus's sacrifice or death." I heard no sad songs and instinctively knew that there were no sad songs in heaven. Why should there be? All were praises about Christ's reign as King of kings and our joyful worship for all he has done and how wonderful he is. So he considers these songs sad songs, which is the opposite of what the Bible teaches us. The few glimpses we have of heaven describe the saints around the throne singing, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Oh, uh, worthy is the Lamb who is slain, and uh, um, uh, so so we we find the the description quite opposite. And you know, again, I don't blame Don Piper for 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 being wrong per se about thinking of those songs as sad, but I I, I think it, he's wrong for declaring that this is a revelation from God that's absolutely true. That's good. Yeah, so that's that's a great example of of just a, a complete contradiction of what we what we know, and, and that the truth we know about heaven causes us to to respond rightly to, to thinking about Christ and His death and, and resurrection. Well, thank you for asking us uh, such an important question, Wesley, and and it is a question we we anticipate some actually probably getting upset with us because these books have had an emotional um, impact upon many people. And uh, and it's not wrong to have an emotional impact when we think about heaven. It's just we would encourage our listeners to get their information about heaven from Scripture, knowing the Scripture is sufficient to comfort us as we think about loved ones we've lost and what they're experiencing in heaven. So we have Katie Georges uh, next as our as our the last person to give us a question on this segment of Revive the Drive. And so, Katie, uh, share with us your question. Okay. If I am telling an, un- an unbeliever about God, where do I stop and let God take over? Okay, awesome. And maybe you can share with us, have, have you had opportunities in your life to, to talk with others about, about God? Um, I just remember when I was little and I was on a bus at going home from Atlanta Bluffs. Yeah. Um, I just remember talking to one of my friends about God, but I don't remember like anything else. But yeah. I'm sure there's been other times, yeah. too. Well, it's really an important question, Katie. First, again, the assumption is that, that you desire to tell other people about God, and that's hard for a, a young person. It's hard for an old person because we all like to be liked, and we know sometimes when we talk about God, people won't like us. And yet, uh, unless unless we are faithful in our witness, um, we really cannot serve God apart from uh, being willing 
to suffer for him and suffer sometimes ridicule. So, so uh, Katie's question is a really great one. Yeah. Um, pastor Art, as, yeah. as both pastor and, and father to father sweet this. Katie, maybe you have some insight into how can we witness to unbelievers, witness to people who need to know the Lord, uh, and yet not do it in a way that 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 assumes that it's uh, we have to make conversion happen. Yeah. yeah, that God has to do a work. Okay, the question's great because it uh, it assumes that God has to be part of the process at some point. I was and, saying the same thing, yeah. Um, good. And, and what we really want to remind ourselves is that he has, uh, he has um, a part in all of it. And so even before, uh, if it's someone that we're pre-planning to hope to get an opportunity to share Christ with, then we're praying, we're saturating that opportunity in prayer. Uh, but we're also... Uh, praying that we would have an opportunity each day perhaps to show someone to point towards Christ. But um, So we're asking God in advance to open that person's heart. Even as we're sharing, there's this, uh, you know, how you sometimes think on one level and you're talking on another, you're dual, um, dual compartmentalized. And, and so you're asking God to open their eyes, uh, just as um, one of the prophets asked that his servant's eyes be opened, that he could see God's work around him. And, and yet, um, y- you know, when you think about witnessing, you want a, a, a somewhat concise, um, clear manifestation of the gospel or, or a, a profession of the gospel that um, God is creator. He's a holy creator, God, who has made us for his glory. Uh, we are sinners. And... Um, we can't save ourselves, and that um, God loves us and sent his son to die in our place, and that if you repent and place your faith in Christ's finished work, then you will be saved. And and that may bring up questions, um, and sometimes those questions are smoke screens, but sometimes those are questions are honest questions, and you try to handle them, And uh, but all the while you're saying, okay, God, this is now not up to me. I have done what you've asked me to do. I've pointed to Christ for salvation, and I have to let you um, win the game. So, Art, you mentioned that Katie's question has a great assumption and that it assumes that God is involved and that we should, in Rich's, you know, her assumption is that we should be sharing the gospel. And and what, what we see there is that, in your response, is that the place – the place to stop um, isn't as as quick as some people might want to stop. Right. <laughs> like sometimes we sometimes, and, and I don't know if if you've experienced this, Katie, but whenever I was trying to share my faith with people that were my own age when I was in seventh eighth grade uh, high school, it, it was it was kind of scary. <laughs> and sometimes, like I would say, things were kind of spiritual, and feel like okay, well I've I've started now. Let's see what God does. Like. Yeah, I I prayed before my lunch today, you know, or something. Or, or I'll pray for you. Just kind of like some really general, like basic Christian language that I'm, I hope God does something with, as opposed to me sharing more. But you know, Romans ten talks about the necessity of having a preacher and a, a preacher, a person who proclaims certain things. He says, um, but what does it say? The word is near you. In your mouth and in your heart, that is the word of faith which we are preaching, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness. With a mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. 
later verse 14, how will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? So I think maybe, maybe the first part is um, thinking through, all right, what is what are the essential, kind of what your dad was getting at, but what are the essential truths I need to make sure that my friends understand in order to have a response yeah. of faith in Jesus Christ? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so once you, and then once you've thought through that, uh, how, even as you do that, as your dad said too, you're, you're, you're sharing and you're praying, you're hoping that God, God works through this. And then, um, as, as you see them respond, I think there is kind of a calculation where you think, okay, I, when there, when I encounter some level of hostility, I, I can't logically convince a person to become a Christian. You know, we're, we're going to look at the same evidence as some, some, sometimes and see that it's spiritually appraised. Roman one talks about suppressing, suppressing the truth. Unbelievers do that. Yeah. So, so often in uh, our relationships, our, our gospel presentation, our witnessing is not going to be kind of a, uh, kind of a sterile gospel presentation, but it's going to be uh, ministering to our friends because they've got a brokenness in their life that we want to show how mm-hmm. Christ has been sent to solve that. And so um, so we're helping them to see that perhaps the sin in their heart that's causing this brokenness uh, is cured by Jesus Christ, and, 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 and then perhaps giving testimony on how God has um, done a similar work in our own heart so that they can see an example mm-hmm. of of redemption and um and then you know letting god take that sometimes we won't sometimes we do more with few words than we can even imagine mm-hmm. even though as daniel said it's exactly right we don't want to think that we can just give right. trite sayings and as as daniel and art have been sharing katie with you uh they've been addressing one problem is that we really don't push hard enough the, the the edge of that you know that we we our first tendency really is to be so far off that edge that we're really not being faithful as a witness uh, because we're so afraid that people will respond negatively your question also though opens up is there a possibility of us pushing beyond that edge mm-hmm. and and the answer is yes to that if, if we think we are the ones that must convert this person and then we become like the salesman who who just is is a pest. And I don't think God intends for us to to take that view that we must convert. Only God can convert. You know, we plant, we water, as Paul says, I planted, Paulus watered, God gives the increase. So God alone can do that work of, of salvation. Um, and uh, I, I like what the Apostle Paul says in uh, Colossians chapter 4. He says, pray also for us that God may open a door to us for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I'm in prison. So one practical uh, application of this question is I think it's really be real important if you wake up every morning and say, Lord, would you open a door for me to share the gospel, the mystery of Christ with someone? And, you know, the the uh, the question of what's an open door and what's a closed door is sort of subjective, but I think a person who's walking the Spirit will be able to know and looking for opportunities um, if you're excited about a door, you're going to tend to think it's open more than closed, uh, and so so so, and that's a good thing because you're looking for open doors. Then, and you know, one other practical matter that I would encourage you to do is you look for open doors. Uh, I don't think again God wants us to get into arguments all the time, and a lot of times when we start witnessing, we start arguing over and debating. But 
you know, if, if you think there's an open door, you can ask a friend a question, and you ask him for an invitation to come into the door, uh, come in through the door. So I, for instance, will ask a um, question, uh, um, uh, has anyone ever talked to you about how you can go to heaven? Uh, and oftentimes people say, no, has anybody ever opened a Bible and shown you how? Would would you allow me to take a Bible and, and show you how you can go to heaven? And then they could say no. I've only had a few people, though, ever say no to that question. Most people, by the time I get to that that question, they say, well, sure. And so then whatever you say, you know that's an open door because they're giving you permission to talk about God. Mm-hmm. So if you can learn to start asking questions for permission, do you mind if I talk to you about God? They can say, no, I don't want you to talk about it. Okay, that's the closed door. But if they say, yeah, sure, fine, then you know well, I have an open door to, to keep going and, and, and uh, enter into their life that way. So excellent question. Do you have any other thoughts about that, Katie, you want to follow up? Um, that was just really good. That gave me a lot of insight to it. Okay, excellent. And we won't ask Katie which we thought which pastor we thought helped her the most on that question. <laughs> we know we know it's Pastor R, her good old dad. So awesome. Well, thanks Katie for coming today, and thanks Wesley. You guys have been awesome. Uh, it's been a, a joy to have this revive the drive, focusing on answers to teen questions. We trust that this is it will be an encouragement to you and to your family and to a teen in your life as well. God bless you.